0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Side Hustles and Stuff podcast, episode 11. My name is Yuri and I'm joined by Keishi.
1: Hey Yuri, how are you today?
0: I'm good, Keishi. How are you?
1: Pretty good. Um, What are we talking about today?
0: What are we talking about? Well, I have a coffee with me. I also have water and something called lemon squash. That's what we're talking about today.
1: So about our drinks as usual. Yeah, I I just have water today, so nothing exciting.
0: Good, better to stay hydrated. That's why I have water with me too. I don't want to go nuts with all the caffeine. Okay. So today we're talking about the ways to earn your first hundred dollars online. That that sounds exciting,
1: almost as exciting as making your first one cent online.
0: I I think one making your first one cent online is probably a little more exciting than the hundred dollars because by then you've made plenty of like transactions and the kind of the excitement is worn away.
1: Yeah, I think they're both exciting, but definitely the first cent is something that just um, that just shows you that if if you can make one cent, then you can make ten cents, and if you can make ten cents, you can make a dollar. If you can make a dollar, you can make ten, and so on.
0: Yeah, but. You know, when we talk about making money online, I think a lot of people, especially someone listening who's brand new to this, they don't exactly have a good image of uh, making money online. We shouldn't really call that either. Like, If if I were to think about it, the things that would come to my mind would be surveys or scams or some sort of get-rich-quick schemes.
1: Nigerian princess. But that's if we're talking about millions of dollars.
0: (laughs) We're not going to be talking about those today.
1: Yeah. So today we're not going to be talking about surveys or um, anything like that. We're actually going to be talking about um, either building actual businesses or doing um, freelance work with um, legitimate clients rather than any sort of surveys or, um, or scams or whatever you might imagine first when you hear about making money online. So where do you want to
0: start? I guess the first and the simplest way one can make money online (laughs) that does not include filling out surveys is freelancing.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, what, what do you imagine under the term freelancing?
0: When I think of a freelancer, I imagine someone on Upwork or Fiverr offering, say, translation services, writing services, maybe their voice, if it's a voiceover or a video testimonial. I know they have some of those on Fiverr. So basically anyone that will go out and do a task for you, like a single gig.
1: Yeah, that that, that sounds about right. And um, I think it's worth mentioning here that compared to the other things that we'll be talking about later on, this is the one method where um, you can actually make money right away and where you don't have to build an audience first. So that's an advantage, but it's also a disadvantage in a way that um, that you're not necessarily building an asset like when you're building a blog or when you're building a YouTube channel.
0: Um, so have you done any freelancing? I have done it once. I've I've done copywriting once for a friend through, uh, Upwork.
1: So you've done it for your friend and you've done it for Upwork. Yeah. That's Uh, interesting. Is, Is there any reason why you would go for the platform?
0: Well, because they, he needed it for his business. He needed the invoice and you know, just like trying to pay me off of the platform would be weird for his business.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah, because they take quite a fair amount of money, right? I, I've done quite a bit of work for Upwork, make, made a decent amount of money there. But um, I think they take like 20% of the first few hundred you make with a client, and then it drops to
0: 10%. I think it was just a while back, like several years back before they changed up some things.
1: Oh, I see, I see. I see. Yeah, because um, yeah, for, for me, my first... Money Online was from freelancing as well. I don't think it was from Upwork. I I don't even think Upwork was a thing back then. Um, It was back when I was in high school. And um, it it was essentially translating descriptions for um, Swimwear for a, I think it was a Brazilian company probably. Mm -hmm. But essentially I would translate their their product descriptions from English into Slovak. And um, yeah, that that was how I made my first
0: few hundred dollars on the internet,: Oh, wow, so you, that was essentially your first uh, gig, right? So it wasn't through a website as we' a blog that like we usually talk about
1: yeah it, it, it was the first time I ever made um money online, or probably even like in general. okay like I, I never had like a regular part-time job at like a store or something, so yeah, I, f- I think this was the first, first time I actually made any sort of um, real money.
0: What did you think about it? You know, because again, when talking about earning income online, most people don't have a good impression of it. So what were your thoughts before you earned it and when the actual money kind of hit your bank account?
1: Yeah. So so I, I think, as, as mentioned before, I think with freelancing, it's pretty, um, pretty straightforward because it, it's not really like what most people imagine under making money online, because it's essentially you're just doing some sort of job for someone, except that um, you happen to never meet that someone and you're paid for PayPal or for um, Upwork or whatever it might be. So um, that's a good question. I, I think it was it felt pretty natural to me. I, I've kind of been following like how to make money online and um, how to make money blogging, how to make money freelancing, sort of blogs and forums and stuff like that for well over a decade now i think mm-hmm. so so it kind of came naturally i guess and um yeah it it was definitely better than um doing some waiting part-time job or something i think
0: well i guess m- maybe there are many sides to this you know probably benefits uh and invisible benefits and skills that one can develop from being a waiter but as, i guess oh yeah there,
1: there, there's yeah, there are definitely things you can learn from that sort of job too. Like, um, it, it's essentially a sales job, so yeah, you get to be good with people and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, it, it was definitely not meant to say that um, a waiting part-time job is bad, but um, this was definitely a, a easier way, I guess, so to say, mm. or a better paid way.
0: So I guess for anyone that's listening in right now, and they wonder, all right, how do I make extra money online? The first and most probably easiest route you can do is offer your skills up on a uh, website like Upwork.com for freelancers, where essentially it's where people look for freelancers, whether it's for writing, uh, video, audio, anything that can be done online, coding, you can post yourself up and try and get jobs.
1: Yeah. And, um, and if, you, if you think that you, you don't have a skill that can be solved, then um, chances are that you're mistaken. And uh, you, you just got to look at um. Th- there, there's things where you just got to be better than the than the person that's hiring you. Like you don't have to be a world class designer or world class um, translator or whatever to be a freelancer. I think you just have to have something um, valuable to offer. Whether it's just, um, I, I think a lot of people start freelancing um, as proofreaders, for example,
0: hmm.
1: or. Um, Writing's a common one as well, although not not
0: everybody's a good writer. Having an editor is pretty important, I think. So if your grammar skills are on point, I think that you can offer um, a valuable second eye to anyone that's already writing stuff.
1: Yeah, e- exactly. And I think um, because of tools like Grammarly, which you were mentioning earlier um, on the last episode, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I think the, the kind of simple proofreading types of jobs are probably getting cheaper and getting uh, more scarce because people just rely on Grammarly, for example, which is a good enough job in most cases.
0: Mm.
1: But I think like editing for structure and things like that are still highly valuable.
0: Yeah. What kind of gigs have you done on Upwork or freelancing online? Like what are some of the most um, simplest or yeah, most of Yeah, there's
1: been a variety. I, I think people say that you should focus. I, I prefer to just do a bunch of different things just because I'm, it's more fun I guess so just just to give you a couple of examples um I've written a guide about doing business in japan for for a company that um that does some HR training so that was a fun one um I've written an email on a similar topic for the same lady um uh, i I've done a bunch of market research so essentially just um just looking at um in in one case it was just looking at various at a bunch of ideas um for potential companies to start that one guy had and kind of looking at the competition and looking at what they're doing and just summarizing it in PowerPoint in this case. I created a bunch of presentations, but it was sales presentation or like an investor dig and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the majority of it. In in my case. But but there's really the options are unlimited. It can be um yeah, it, it can be research. It can be editing.
0: Yeah. When I hear your examples, it almost sounds like um something that many of us would do in school or in college.
1: Yeah, definitely. If you, I guess it depends on the classes you take and stuff like that. But yeah, it can be similar. I mean, at the end of the day, um, there are businesses that just need to understand what's going on around them, which is just simple research that you better you would do it in school or in company or as a freelancer or something and things like that so so yeah um I, I think i'm i'm pretty positive that there is something for more or less everybody out there that, that can make you at least a hundred dollars if not thousands of dollars
0: so the first one was freelancing and you we also have consulting in here where would you stick consulting
1: yeah i think in this case freelancing um again it, consulting is such a broad word that um different people use in different ways so um yeah i I think in in some cases the actual doing of the thing can be considered consulting but some people might consider just kind of giving out giving out advice and um devising strategies and things like that to be consulting Mm -hmm. and um um, yeah i've done them both as a freelancer and um yeah they can be a lot of fun too, especially if you like business and um if you've got some experience if you've got some knowledge that you can share and that you can help. If you've got some knowledge and stuff like that, that can help out a company grow, then it's a good way to. Good way to. It's a good way to get started making money online as well.
0: So freelancing consulting next up are, I would argue a bit more challenging to first time side hustlers, because these next things that we're gonna talk about, you need a platform or an audience before you actually start earning money right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's both its advantage and disadvantage. So um, I think that the advantage of consulting and uh, freelancing is that you can just start earning cash right away, but mm. you're still kind of trading time for money. So whether it's it's like a monthly retainer or hourly um, payment or whatever it is, you still need to put in the hours to get the output. Whereas I think the things that we're going to be talking about next, um, if done properly, then I think the the amount you eventually earn compared to the time you're putting in can be disproportionate. So so it's more like you're putting in time to build an asset and that asset is earning money for you rather than you directly earning money, which makes it both great because it's scalable, but it also means that you first need to essentially work for free until you start making that money, right?
0: So just to give you a quick understanding of what we're going to talk about, we're talking about things like selling your own physical product or a digital product online or doing affiliate marketing or selling community or selling newsletter or even uh, earning money off of advertising. All of these things kind of require you to either have your own site, blog, or perhaps a really popular YouTube channel before you can actually uh, start earning money. And again, the difference is uh, with freelancing and consulting, you don't really need a website or a vlog or a blog. You just sign up on, say, Upwork.com and you start applying to gigs whereas as you said you know first you kind of kind of have to build up a platform and an asset and it, turn, it can transform into an asset of done right and the first one we want to talk about is um, casey i think you have a lot of experience with this one display ads
1: yeah so i, f- I think display ads are in a way the easiest although they're not the highest earner per visitor or per um, person that you get to your website or to your youtube channel or whatever but um they're the easiest in, but um, to, to take a step back, just um, what what, uh, what are display ads? Um, there are all these little boxes that you see when you go to websites or they're the ads that you see um, on YouTube, the pre-roll ads. So before you're allowed to watch the video or the mid-roll ads, like when the video gets cut in the middle. And sometimes there's also a little box displaying at the bottom of the video. But all those things essentially pay based on either how many people click on them or how many people actually see them. And, um, especially in case of blogs, I'm, I'm not sure about YouTube because I've never monetized the YouTube channel, but um, in case of blog, if you use a network like Mediavine or ad thrive or, um, monumetric is th- those are kind of three of the more popular ones. Um, you essentially get paid for every person that sees the app and, um, it's a very small amount of money for every impression. But when you multiply it by like 1,000 visitors or 2,000 visitors a day or something, then it can add up to like a nice amount of money. And there, there's people making tens of thousands of dollars a month from showing these ads. But um, but, but yeah, I think the main advantage of here, of this is that um, really you can, you can earn money on pretty much any content. And you don't have to worry too much about conversions and things like that. Like you will have to with some of the, the things that we'll talk about later. And because because here essentially all you have to do is get people to your website or to your YouTube channel or um, whatever the platform might be, and that will more or less automatically earn you money.
0: And you use display ads on your blog, right?
1: Yeah, I use display ads on um, pretty much all my blogs.
0: I've tried a Google AdSense in the past. And I think that's how I earned my first uh, cent or so, even though that was not the one that was going to end up you know giving me the most revenue back then with my first blog.
1: Yeah, I think Google Adsense is um, probably the stepping stone into the making money online world ex- excluding the freelancing stuff for the excluding the freelancing stuff for um, most people, I think for me as well. It was like a cent or two cents or something made of one of my sites that don't exist anymore.
0: From display ads, the next uh, way you could make money online is affiliate marketing. And affiliate marketing, we probably could do a whole episode on this one, but essentially it's selling for someone and earning commission, like uh, say Amazon's a really good example. If you post up a, if you have a blog, say about cat food and you post a link to the cat food product on Amazon with your affiliate link. If a reader clicks on it, if they like it, they buy it. You earn a bit of commission because you sent Amazon buyer.
1: Yeah. Uh, Affiliate marketing can be good because um, as as I talked about with display ads, with display ads, the amount you earn per visitor is really, really small, right? It's probably like a fraction of a cent or a cent or something for every time an, an ad displays. And I, I think generally the, the RPM, so the revenue you can earn per thousand visitors for display ads is anywhere between like 15 and $30. Whereas with affiliate marketing, it can get much higher. And, um, but, but it, it's also a fair bit more difficult, right? Because you have to not only show the ad to a person, but that person has to actually end up buying the product. Yeah. So, so I think, um, I, I think affiliate marketing is worth kind of splitting it in two broader categories and one would be amazon because i think a lot of people just um built just to make money off the amazon associates program and then all the other programs kind of lumped together and um i i I guess you're you're much better at the non-amazon affiliate stuff than me so do you have any tips here for well why
0: would you separate them though
1: I, i think amazon affiliate lies somewhere between display ads and the rest of affiliate marketing and um, the reason being one it's really easy to convert amazon it's like you send somebody to amazon on the link to dog food and that person ends up buying whatever a book about religion you still make money right so i I think it's somewhere between display ads and like the true affiliate marketing Mm -hmm. and and two um i think the commission rates are different because they're physical products whereas a lot of other affiliate programs are for digital products, so like language courses in your case, or um, like ebook so online business courses, whatever it might be. The big difference is that um, if you have a physical product, then you can only give so much to somebody to promote it, right? Because you have so many costs associated with it. Yeah. Whereas if you have like language course or something where the marginal cost of creating an extra unit is essentially zero because it's just a, it just giving somebody access to a website, essentially. Yeah. Then you can give a commission of thirty percent, forty percent, fifty percent, sometimes even seventy percent or higher, right? So, and still make money yourself as as kind of the product creator. So I think um, I, I think they're quite different. I'd say.
0: Well, I I, I dabble in both. Um, th- there are there are differences, definitely. I- <laughs> Especially starting with commission because, like you said, digital products tend to have a higher commission because there's less overhead. People that are selling digital products are also more interested in capturing users and having them for life. And, like, and they're more valuable. I guess it's the same case with Amazon. Maybe I'm just thinking out loud here. Hmm. The one thing is with Amazon, it's it's a lot easier also to con yeah to convert. Whereas it's a lot harder to have someone else convert on a non Amazon site because Amazon has a really strong brand, so it's a bit harder with um, non Amazon affiliate marketing.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think so because with Amazon, it's almost like if you send somebody to Amazon's website, Amazon's going to take care of the rest because everybody yeah. knows Amazon and Amazon spends millions and. Of- Probably hundreds of millions of dollars on like figuring out how to convert people the best, how to make sure they purchase, and like and and, and you, you go to the website and you see this oh you should probably also buy this or if you buy this you should buy combined with this and and, and things like that where they um, maximize the value that you um, that you give them. Whereas I think at, at least from my personal experience, I, I've never really had success with um with non Amazon affiliate programs to date, and it's not like I tried hard, but um, I just find it more difficult because there's the extra step of making sure that the the offer and the content that you have are perfectly matching to maximize the conversions. Whereas I think with the Amazon part, the offer and the page don't necessarily have to be 100% matching because people buy on Amazon so many different things.
0: Well, I think that's a big difference, but um that difference aside it's fairly similar. Yeah, I, I
1: I yeah, I guess at the end of the day the mechanics are the same,
0: but the conversion either way is on the is the responsibility of the, you know, who the the vendor, right? Cuz you send them a referral, there's only so much you can do. It's now up to them to convert it. And like I guess that's what separates good programs from bad programs is uh some just sell because they're a legitimately good product and some don't sell because like the offer is off or the the product is questionable, the company is questionable
1: yeah but but i th- I think part of it i I think that's the second half of the equation, but I think the first half of the equation is um essentially sending qualified leads to the to the website yeah, so like a language course website could have the best possible conversion like great optimization done on their page but still if you send them somebody that's not interested in learning language then um then they're not going to convert right yeah. whereas with with amazon i think just because of the sheer volume of different things that they sell and because of um, people using it in general for buying a bunch mm-hmm. of other things as well rather than just what you're selling them they're sending them there for i think you can send a lead that's not as qualified mm. for buying the product that you're trying to promote and then you can end up making money because you send them there through a link to, let's say a drum set or a guitar, but they end up buying a new carpet for their home. But, but yeah, as you say, the mechanics are the same at the end of the day.
0: But listeners to make all of this happen, you you need a, an existing website to actually collect traffic or get traffic and be able to send them over to whatever affiliate offer that you're sending them to. So this is what we mean. Like you need a platform first.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think with all of the ones that we'll be talking um, here, you need some sort of platform, whether it's YouTube or a blog or or a Instagram, um, what do you call it? Instagram channel? Instagram page? Account. <laughs> account. Twitter account. Um, yeah, and um, just to go back to affiliate marketing, it's definitely a good way to make money. I'd say it's a bit more challenging than display ads because there's the added element of having to convert people. But uh, yeah, a lot of people make a lot of money with it. And um, for Yuri's blog is the main way to monetize his blog, I believe, right? For for myself, it's uh, I mainly monetize with display ads, but it's still making up for a decent amount of money. And um, yeah, so, so it's definitely worth trying. Although one thing I'd be aware of is that um, with display ads, the rates tend to kind of be tied more to the market. So, like if the market's doing well, then the display ads rate are pretty good, and also it's pretty seasonal, so like before Christmas, the rates are high and then, at the end of each quarter, when companies have to finish spending their budgets, the rates are high, and things like that. Whereas with affiliate marketing, you're pretty much at the mercy of the company offering the program, so whether it's Amazon or um some other provider mm-hmm. and um they can essentially change the rates. Did they pay you overnight, like like has happened with Amazon a number of times?
0: Well, there's one thing that you can do to uh, hedge that, and that's having your own email list. Because in affiliate marketing, like the common model is essentially it's you sending traffic over to them and getting paid for whoever converts. However, just sending users off to a place where you get like a one-time uh, earning is probably not the smartest way. And unfortunately, it's it's the way I've been going about things. But it's um as with all businesses, like having an email list is important. So you you have to own your audience first before you send them anywhere else. Because like you, again, if you send them anywhere else, they're gone. They're not yours. And it's Amazon that'll be making money off of them forever. However, if you capture their email address and then you send them to like a landing page in your site about say the top five tools, they're still on your list. They're still very much interested in what you have to say and while you will make a commission on, on Amazon from them. At the same time, you still get to you know stay in contact with, uh, you, you get to keep the referrals. So Amazon can change their commission overnight. And that's something that you'd have to deal with. But the good news is that you have the audience still. And if they buy once, then they'll buy again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I take a decrease in um, commission rate over a decrease in traffic anytime. Because I think what, if you have a traffic, there's always a way to monetize it yeah but um yeah it it still hurts when when your earnings go down by like forty percent overnight in some cases,
0: yeah all right, so next up on the list we have sponsorship so what would what do you mean by sponsorship? How can someone make money online through sponsorship
1: yeah so i I think this is a common model that people use when when uh, when they run podcasts or a YouTube channel hmm. and also some bloggers, but with blogs, I think display ads are more popular. But um, essentially, it's going to a company and telling them, "Hey, I'll mention you in my YouTube video, or I'll mention you in my podcast, or in my blog post." And um, in exchange for that, I want, let's say, hundred dollars, just because we're talking how to make your first hundred dollars. Um, and um, the I, I've I've never done this, so I I don't know too much details. But I, I would I would kind of guess that the rates are probably similar to display ads in terms of like the RPM, so the amount of money you could charge for like um, a thousand visitors, maybe, maybe a bit higher because you sell it directly. But um, display ads are generally kind of automatic, automatically generated and um, they show based on the different user that comes to your website. Where sponsorship is you just have a kind of direct deal with the company, whether it's, uh, I don't know, Nike or, or HP or something, and they pay you, let's say, $500 for you to... To either mention them in a blog post and in a bunch of social media posts with it, or to um, mention them at the beginning of your podcast episode for like 10 episodes or whatever it might be. So, so they're more kind of custom packages and they require some actual sales efforts.
0: And it sounds like in order to get a sponsorship, you first, um, well, obviously, you need to have a big enough audience for the company to actually care to want to enter into a sponsorship agreement with you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, again, I, I haven't done it before, so I'm not sure, but uh, I, I would imagine the threshold is uh, a considerable amount higher than with display ads because cause it's so much more personal and so much more transactional. And like, there's a the sales element and you have to actually spend time to close the deal and so on.
0: Also, I don't have much um, experience in that. I think in our next one is quite interesting, digital products. And by digital products, we mean like eBooks, online courses. If you're A musician you can also sell your beats online or you can sell your voice online maybe it's video so what do you think about that
1: yeah i I think digital products are good because um you can make it once and then you can sell it a thousand times two thousand times three thousand times right so you can put in some work up front and then sell the same thing over and over again yeah whereas with physical products which we'll talk about later you have to actually manufacture the product as many times as you want to sell it so digital products are much more scalable yeah, I I have um a couple of years back I bought a website which was essentially monetized with um digital products only and some and some um display ads but mainly with digital products and I I'm not putting any effort into that site or anything but uh what it does is essentially it sells $10 ebooks on a certain topic that came with the website when I bought it. Mm-hmm. And um Yeah, it it hasn't made a lot of money, but um, I I bought it for, I think, like $1,600 or something. And it's paid for itself. And then it's been making probably like $5,200 a month or something. So it's nothing to write home about, but um,
0: it's still worth keeping. Have you done any digital products? I have not, but the affiliate products that I promote are essentially digital products, the language courses. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah.
1: Because I I can imagine with language, you could sell like... um, Practice sheets or things like that, probably.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of ways to address that area: audio, video, workbooks. You know, like you said, practice sheets, um, translation games. There's there's a whole lot of avenues down this one. But again, like I guess the whole point is you still need to have an audience or a big enough blog or website or YouTube channel for people to be coming in so that you can promote. These digital products, and like you said, like the probably the best part of a digital product is that you make it once, and then you can sell it over and over and over. So if it's an ebook that like is priced at ten dollars, again, all you had was that initial effort of investment, and now you, you can essentially sell it for as much as you want. Whether it's one customer, it's ten bucks back to you. Damn, my voice is going out.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. And um, and the, the other good thing is you get to keep all the money, essentially, right? Other than some small transaction fee, whereas with, with affiliate, you let's say you sell an ebook that's fifty dollars and you get one half of that. If you are the one that makes the book, then you get to sell it for fifty dollars and probably keep like forty five. And um, p- plus, you can promote it to other um, bloggers or YouTubers or whatever that might sell it as affiliates, and that can kind of bring you some extra income. But yeah, this is another area of our. Um, I, I've tried experimenting a bit, but haven't found much success yet, but um, it's definitely something I want to
0: explore further. Yeah. So on the opposite side of the spectrum of digital products, there's physical products. And I know you've had experience with that specifically, right?
1: Yeah. So on, on my aviation blog, I sell this, um, it's called Flight Lock. It's, I I don't think it's um, necessary to say this, but um, it hasn't. Been doing exactly well since the coronavirus crisis. What it is is it's just a notebook with um with pre-printed forms where you can kind of record data about um, the different flights you take, and and there's a fair amount of aviation enthusiasts that just like to do it. So I, I sell that, and um I usually get it printed in batches of like 200 or 100, and like a company here that makes
0: here in Japan that makes custom notebooks, and then um wait, so here's a question. How do you go from, again, how did you go from, I have an idea for a logbook to walking down to that company and requesting that order? Did you like, how did you, did you come up with the designs? Did you think it through? To anyone listening right now, if they're a beginner, like one of the biggest challenges a beginner has is going from concept in your head to reality.
1: Yeah. So, so in this in this case, um, I had the audience and there, there's a couple other companies and people that make these things and sell them. So I, d- I took some inspiration from them, definitely, then put, put my own spin on it. And um, actually, actually, funny story. I think one of the companies or one of the people who wrote a blog post calling my blog book fake <laughs> of, of their original, which is because um,
0: <laughs> well, We're going to have to bleep that out.
1: Because <laughs> there's a bunch of other companies doing the exact same thing. But I, 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 I thought it's nice that they noticed me. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so so I just thought um, I'm gonna make it because I have uh, re- I've got a bunch of relevant traffic coming to my website, so they're probably they'd probably be interested in buying it. Yeah. And the next thing I did was I googled around looking for companies um, in Japan that make custom notebooks, custom notepads. Mm. Um, I managed to find the exact same company that I believe my the company that mentioned me uses. So maybe, okay. <laughs> maybe that made them even more angry. But um, yeah, then I just made the design in, I think, InDesign or Illustrator or something, mm-hmm. send it to the printer, got the, got the batch of first um, 50 to begin with. And then, yeah, then just made a sales page on my website and been selling it using
0: Gumroad recently as a platform. Yeah. Did this require any design skills? Like uh, I'm just curious, what did you tell the company? I want this or I want that?
1: Yeah, so, so in this case, um, I, I can do basic design stuff. So I just designed it myself and just send them the file. But um, f- for those that can design it, um, I've in, in the past I've tried ordering some designs for like a like a free giveaway for um, Fiverr. So I'm sure you can get a design source for whatever product it is, it is that you want to do from um, like one of those marketplaces, whether it's Fiverr, or Upwork, or whatever. And, and um, actually, I, f- I think this is a really good space. Creating um, pieces of paper that have some sort of form on them. I don't know why, but I think people like them. And you also see it a lot in the productivity space where like people make different types of planners and uh, diaries and journals and things like that, yeah. like that. Where where all it is is it's just a notepad with a bunch of pre printed fields. Yeah. And they sell for like thirty dollars, forty dollars and people buy them.
0: Oh, you're giving away a secret uh niche right now.
1: Yeah. If 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 ideas made money then we'd all be millionaires. So <laughs>
0: That sounds good. So essentially, you already knew what a logbook looked like, right? And at that point, it's pretty easy to go to a company and be like, all right, this is what I want on the cover. And this is what I want on the pages. And this is what I want on the last page. This is what I want on the first page. Or You already have some sort of template of how things should look like. So I think if anyone wants to kind of, I guess the step is you first, you find out what the original product looks like. you (laughs) You go rip that off. And then you add your own twist, like I want this and this and this, but add a little bit of that and add a little bit of that there too.
1: yeah, we wouldn't call it rip it off but but yeah exactly like just um there, there are so many things out there that just can use a little bit of improvement and then can sell pretty well and, and I think that's um actually one of the points we have here is amazon f b a which um where a lot of people are getting products made in China and then shipped directly to Amazon and sell them on Amazon. But um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity in the physical product space, if for nothing else, than for the fact that um, I think a lot of people that want to make money online just focus on the digital things. Because in a way it's easier because you don't have to deal with inventory and with manufacturing and printing and whatever. So yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth exploring no matter what niche you're in. Yeah. And I, th- I think just to finish off this physical products part, just a couple more ideas that come to my mind. It's like, um, card decks. So I've seen card decks with like inspirational quotes on them or with, with a bunch of other things. Um, yeah. diaries, journals, and and even for, for the FBA stuff, anything from like um, showerheads and um, whatever, showerheads and um, all, all sorts of other physical products are all a possibility.
0: T-shirts too. I think there's a ton of print on demand websites like Teespring that give you the ability to submit your own design and they print it and ship it for you
1: yeah i think that's a great one if if you have an if you have a dedicated audience that's really passionate about whatever it is that you're you're publishing about then that's probably a huge opportunity as well
0: i think yeah if you're passionate about a topic and you have an audience around it the audience might appreciate a t-shirt about that topic too you never know
1: or a cup or a mouse pad or whatever it might be there's this companies like um I think TeeSpring is one of them and I think that one's focused on t-shirts. Yeah and, th- and there's companies like Printify or Printful that offer a catalog of probably like 100 products um, anything from iPhone covers through t-shirts through underwear through um, mouse pads and cups and glasses and all sorts of things that you can print your own designs on. Yeah. So so the nice thing about This model, the the print-on-demand model, is actually that you don't have to deal with the inventory. So you just have to create the design and then sell it. And then as soon as somebody buys it, um, they go print it and send it directly to that person. So essentially all the hard logistics part is um, outsourced to the other company. And you just get to focus on marketing it and creating the products, designing the products.
0: It's uh, something I should have considered back in the day when trying to do really big calendars. I think that could have... uh solved our issue with like stock and like how do we do this on scale which we could we couldn't figure out at that time
1: yeah exactly and i I think that that's the other advantage of this print on demand um print on demand platforms is that you can essentially test your ideas for no upfront cost so like you can test 10 designs without having to order a thousand of each and um even if you can't sell them profitably at first once you figure out which design sells like a thousand a week, then you can actually go and get that shirt made directly and you can get it made in large quantity right away at a lower cost. So if, I think it's, it's good for selling um, products as they are, but it's also good for kind of prototyping slash testing different ideas, I think.
0: We just finished up physical products and I think physical products is probably one of the more fun areas of uh, making money because I guess it's more fun to deal with physical objects, but at the same time, there's a lot of limitations to it such as stock, but if you can figure out how to print on demand, then you don't really need stock. So the next one that we have is newsletters or paid newsletters.
1: Yeah, and um, again, this is one of those where I have no direct experience, but I've seen quite a few people do. um, Essentially, I think we can combine it with the last one, which we have here, which is community slash membership. But um, you essentially have people that have community of newsletter subscribers, and they charge for the newsletter. So it might be an upgraded version of their free newsletter or it might be around certain topic. And, and if you think about it, then the newsletter is just a medium for which some sort of information is delivered. So mm-hmm. but, so at its core, it's not no different than um, having a paywall on your blog or things like that. Except it gets straight to your mailbox at like regular intervals. So I think some people appreciate that. But But I've seen people charge like, $10, $20 per month for a weekly newsletter.
0: What kind of uh, topics have you seen?
1: I've kind of seen it in the productivity space. I also seen it in like um, startup slash business ideas space. And um, I even, there's this um, podcast called My First Million and it's, it's run by two guys and one of them is a guy that founded a, a media called The Hustle and they're about startups and businesses and business ideas and things like that and on that podcast they were mentioning a newsletter about ferraris so so community around the the car brand ferrari
0: okay
1: and um uh, but yeah you, you can probably do it around any sort of topic really as long as people are interested in in the content and want something that um and are willing to pay for that content
0: i i imagine to anyone brand new listening to this they'd be like wait do people pay for this is this such a thing? Like, are they literally paying for an email a week or something?
1: Yes, they are. And again, I think it's no different than paying for a newspaper or paying for a magazine. Although yeah. again, I think the number of people that do that these days is very low compared to the past. Yeah. <laughs> Cause, I think that, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Cause I, I, unfortunately I think a lot of people, um, started to expect content to be free, but, uh, But yeah, there's still plenty of people willing to pay for subscriptions to different um, media, whether it's online or offline for the matter.
0: I know it's definitely a thing in the copywriting space. Like if you're following a big copywriter, for example. And I think the reason for that is the audience is uh, looking for kind of like tips and tricks and information that they could apply to their own copywriting. And I guess it applies to business as well. Like if someone gives you an idea... And that idea that that you act on ends up giving you a disproportionate amount of income that that was a pretty good idea and it's probably well worth paying for. I think that's how people see it.
1: Yeah, I I think there's two kind of types of, um, I guess, types of niches or or whatever you want to call them. And one is definitely the making money space. And I think um, if you can get an audience in that space and have a good product, then you can probably sell it for a good amount of money because... Essentially, people people are spending money to make more money, right? Like you were just describing with the copywriting, for example. Mm-hmm. And the other ones, like topics that people are really passionate about. So, like the Ferraris could be one thing, because probably our average Ferrari owners much more passionate about than an average Toyota owner, or, so, or any sort of other community, whether it's um, people that are passionate about travel or bird watching or or collecting stamps or. Like there's people passionate about all sort of small niches that are willing to pay for getting good information on that niche.
0: Yeah, and are willing to pay money to deal just to deal with their hobby and play around with it more.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so you also mentioned uh, community, like newsletters, kind of stems into community and membership. By community, I assume that essentially you you're relying on uh social media audience?
1: I, I don't think necessarily. I, I think there's a few ways that people do this. And um, one would be Patreon, which is fairly popular nowadays, where people can essentially subscribe to you and get a better access to it than, than those that don't. Um, the other one could be, yeah, paid Facebook groups, I think, are a thing. Um, but also things like... Um, Yeah, private forums and all all, all sorts of things where um, you get an access to community or to the creator and get to interact with them. And I think a lot of times it comes bundled with an online course. So like some of the best online courses are those that have uh, great communities around them. So sometimes it's bundled together. Other times it might just be an access to like a private... um, group for selling and buying online businesses or, or a private newsletters selling and buying for selling and buying online businesses or whatever it might be. But uh, yeah, I, I think COVID is probably better on social media as well. Yeah.
0: This is the kind of thing that you need, like a really big audience base for that. If you don't have that, once again, platform, then you probably won't be able to make your first hundred dollars there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and I think kind of the the order we went through these things, one, they're, of course, you need a decently sized audience for all of them. But I think the order we went through also kind of illustrates the amount of trust, I guess, you need with the people, at least in, yeah. in rough order. Because display ads, yeah, literally anybody true. that lands on your website, you make money off them. With affiliate marketing, you have to look a bit more legitimate, I guess, so to say but still um, the ultimate kind of trust factor lies with the, with the point of purchase, which is with your affiliate partner. Yeah. With sponsorship, you actually have to have some sort of trust and some sort of brand and um, go a bit beyond just having the audience because you actually have to influence the people right there. And, and same with the products and then community, I think it's self-explanatory, like unless the people trust in you, then why would they trust in the community that you are the head
0: of? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I I was noticing that the order is quite, there's a lot of thought behind that order display ads, affiliate marketing, digital products, physical products, newsletter community. You're shifting away from you being like an anonymous type of blogger that doesn't really need to put their face on things. And as long as you get the volume or you get the traffic, then you can get it done as with uh, display ads and to an extent, affiliate marketing. But the further down you go from sponsorships, digital products, physical products, there's a lot more trust, which means you have to have not only an established platform, like it's you, it has to be, you has to be your brand. People have to trust you. Otherwise, why would someone, you know, pay for a paid newsletter or give you money as opposed to giving Amazon money?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So based on all of these, Casey, would you agree with me here? Like the fastest, and probably not the easiest, but the fastest way for anyone listening right now to earn their first hundred dollars would probably be freelancing on Upwork.
1: Yeah, def- definitely. I mean, um, de- depending on what you're going to offer, you can probably charge 50, 60, 70 dollars per hour. But, but even at the lowest end, let's say you charge 15 dollars an hour. It's still one day of work to make your first hundred dollars online, so um plus you can make it right away so as soon as you find the as soon as you find the job that you wanna apply for, you apply for it and you get selected, then you're gonna get paid immediately and pretty much with zero risk, whereas I think with all the others, there's the risk of um spending a lot of time building the audience, but then the audience never taking off. Or then once you get to the level where you can finally start making some money, then Google coming in and having an algorithm update and um, slashing your traffic in half or something. So so yeah, I, I I agree. The the quickest and easiest way to make your first one hundred dollars online is um, definitely for freelancing on Upwork or whatever platform you choose. That said, I don't think it's the best way long term.
0: Yeah, it's not the best because you don't, don't exactly have an asset and you have to trade your time consistently to earn money. Exactly. And to be able to scale and to be able to spend a little less time on work and more time earning, you probably would do better with an asset that sells itself, which would be probably a digital product
1: yeah a digital program, or or even digital ads or whatever it might be but just um having it on your own platform having it on your own audience i think is a huge advantage and um i, I think it in probably the very first episode we were talking about um what is it to be doing a side hustle or what are we, what does it mean to be doing this and um i think one of the things we mentioned was that um we're not necessarily talking about just working from your home working on the internet but about building an asset, building something that um, essentially earns the money for you as long as you build it and as long as you maintain it. And I think that's what the uh, everything after display ads was essentially about.
0: I think the thing like now people kind of want to know, how do you build an audience? And that's maybe another topic we could cover later.
1: Yeah, th- that's for another time. And I think we partially covered that um, in one of the past episodes as well. So yeah, it's a good time Gotta to go into it. the archives.
0: I, th- I think it was the episode "How to Get People to Care About Your Side Hustle."
1: Oh yeah, I think I, yeah, we, we touched on the topic in that one definitely.
0: So this was episode eleven, and all the ways you can earn your first hundred dollars online, guys. By the way, if you do want to start putting out your work into the world, and if you want to have your own platform like a blog, we definitely recommend Bluehost. So, so if you visit the notes for this podcast at sidehustlesandstuff.com forward slash e eleven you'll find a link to Bluehost. Essentially, it's a hosting service where you buy a .com, you buy hosting, and now you you have your own blog where you can post up your work, where you can build a a community and you can start marketing products to them should you want to do that. Keishi, do we want to leave the audience with any final words of wisdom?
1: Yeah, so one, one thing I'd recommend is even if we get to go the freelancing route, which is the quickest one to make the first $100, I would still try to start building an asset on the side, whether it's blog or YouTube channel or something, which you can then monetize with one of the other methods that we were talking about and make your second first $100. Your first, I, I don't like calling it passive $100, but your first $100 that are not made directly for your work, but for the work that an asset that you created makes for you.
0: Definitely, I would agree with that. Do both. It's not a this or that game. If you, you can probably do both at the same time.
1: And, and, and you can use one to fund the other. That's the other nice thing about this.
0: Yeah, I think I'll, I've definitely done that with my own projects. I would earn from one language blog and put it into another language blog or put it into my personal blog. And that's, I think, how you build a little empire. Sounds like a plan. So let's get to the building part. Building part, next, next topic probably. So again, thank you again for listening in today. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a review. Wherever you saw this link, if you enjoyed this, leave us a comment. Tell us your thoughts. This is uh, K. Shin Yuri from the Side Hustles and Stuff podcast. Talk to you later. Okay. Talk to you later.
1: Blooper time.
0: I think we have a few bloopers. Usually me getting tongue tied. See, the problem is when I talk too fast, it's just like it's the easiest way to just like stumble across yeah. your own words.
1: Yeah, I yeah, found this guy on. Uh, I'm going to cut this one.
0: Uh, that's a hard one to.
1: So, sir, what did you say? You cut you kind off after actually.
0: Well, I said actually we're not going to be talking about those today.
1: Do, do you remember how you formulated the question?
0: I asked uh I asked like <laughs> or what are some interesting ones that have you noticed? I don't know. Let me let, let me ask the question again. Like so, some let me hit the bathroom real quick. Sure. Sorry. <laughs> Hello? Sorry, I was again, I was speaking to an to turn <laughs> off microphone. Again, so man Talking is tough.